I got hired in Arnhem at the Korenmarkt, which at sometimes can be pretty busy and uh, uh, things to happen there. It, it all happens there. <laughs> I've had a death threat, a customer throwing a glass at me because it was time to close. I had to tell him, sorry, bro, I can't serve anymore. Uh, we need to close in 10 minutes. He turned around, drank his glass, uh, which was a thick glass, and he, because he was drunk, he just threw it backwards. It came at the ceiling, then he turned around, pointed at me and said, that was aimed for you. You'll have a grenade on your doorstep. I'm Vinny, and with Koen and Bob, we are three undergraduates at Leiden University in the Netherlands. As students, we have discovered the great student life, accompanied by nightlife and partying. Hanging out with friends and drinking some beers are the moments that you want to enjoy. However, until now, we were not aware of possible nightlife violence. We did not realize how easy it is to encounter or even become the victim of a physical fight when going out. Join us as we unravel alcohol-related nightlife violence and discuss what must be done to inspire a change. We didn't bring the stories in the podcast in the open by ourselves. Together with a cast of compelling sources, including a witness of fights, law enforcement officers who have to respond, and an expert with years of experience, we deal with different factors that lead to physical violence, all to make your nightlife more enjoyable. My name is Koen. In the beginning of this podcast, you heard the story of a bartender and one of his experiences with nightlife violence. His name is Jorn. He's 24 years old and used to work as a bartender in two different cities. And he's also an ex-colleague of mine. In order to find someone who has experience with nightlife violence, I posted a message on Facebook trying to find someone with an interesting story on their experiences. Jorn quickly replied, and he was eager to share a story with us. I knew he was an experienced bartender, and thus I was very happy that he was willing to do this. He worked as a bartender for three years, and it was not too difficult for him to get that job. I literally came back from an internship, and I had no job, and I was sitting at a beer garden, and one of my mates said, bro, you should totally work here. It literally <laughs> went like that. Uh, yeah. The bar just opened. It was around two. And I literally went up to the barkeeper and said, yo, do you like need anyone else to help you around? And he was, uh, well, he was like, do you have any, any sort of like, you did this before? Any, any stuff like that? That's zero. Okay, so we can mold you any way we want. As a bartender, Jorn has experienced many cases of drunk, rude, or even violent people in his bar. It has basically become a part of his job. And although he was used to this, there are some cases of nightlife violence that really struck him. Such as the man who tried to throw a glass at him and threatened him afterwards. Although he was pretty lucky and he was able to walk away without a scratch, there is a reason why he remembered it so well. I am not a tiny guy or something. I am around 1 meters 90 and I weigh a good 100 kilos. Uh, I can defend myself quite well, but the fact that this actually threw a glass at me was quite imposing at me. It was quite, yeah, it, it doesn't feel good when somebody, somebody thinks that they will kill you. Literally. Yeah. They actually mean it. You can see it in their eyes that they actually mean it. Quite a, a rush that you get from that, and not in mm. a positive way. So while nightlife is meant to be fun for you and your friends, Stuff like this happens regularly. Whether you are standing behind the bar, sitting at a table, or talking to someone outside, there's always a risk of encountering aggressive people you would want to avoid. 
the man who threw the glass at Jordan was drunk, which could be the reason why he did it in the first place. But how does alcohol contribute to such violent behavior in nightlife settings? And is alcohol the only factor that can lead to physical violence? Or are there other personal or situational factors at play as well? Vinny and I will unravel that in order to find out to what extent alcohol contributes to physical fights in Dutch nightlife. The incident with the man in Jorn's bar was handled by the people who were present at that time, such as the customers and other employees. After the man was kicked out of the bar and went home, Jorn approached the police when they arrived sometime later to do a regular checkup. However, there wasn't much the police could do as the man had left already. The barkeepers there did agree that the man should be sent away if he comes again, to avoid any similar incidents. Although the police was not present during the time of the incident, they or other law enforcement officers have to respond to an outbreak of violence in the night scene. They are the ones that deal with many occurring problems such as escalating bar fights, injured patrons or even worse situations. This is, of course, a well-known part of the job as a police officer. They are confronted with all the violence and issues. Officers are aware of that before they sign their contract, but it makes me wonder why the job as a police officer is so appealing. Because uh, the action, uh, catching uh, crooks, helping people in emergency situations. Uh, my father was a police officer and I liked his stories. That's the reason why Sander joined the National Police in Overijssel, located in the east of the Netherlands. He's 41 and gathered about 17 years of experience as a police officer in Hengelo and the areas around it. I joined the police academy in 2001. In 2003 I became a police officer in Hengelo. Then I started my career on the street as a, as a cop. In 2005 I also joined the riot police, uh, joined bike patrol. And in 2010 I became a, a community police officer. One of his colleagues in Hengelo has been Richard, who also started with the police academy in the same year. Starting as an officer on the streets, he encountered all kinds of situations with many different tasks within the police force, including specializations for the elf and as a community police officer, I think that you can say that you got a taste of many of the police tasks. One of them was the community police officer, basically a police officer that's dedicated to connect to the area that he's assigned for and also functions as a point of contract for the community. Besides that task, you also work night shifts, often for the hospitality business, right? Well, I think um, we work more than 15 years in the nightlife and every other weekend you have a night shift. And even for quite a long time, those are plenty of years to be thrown in strange and dangerous situations. Is there even something that you can consider a normal day in the night shifts at the weekend? I think it's always different because uh, uh, you've got all kinds of parties, sometimes in the whole city, sometimes just at a bar, local bar. The weather is uh, is from big influence. Sometimes it's good weather. Sometimes when it's raining, you you know that the people stay inside, and uh, and when they go home, they go home fast because they don't want to get wet. So I get that there's nothing normal in those night shifts, but your job is not the only typical catching the bad guys, isn't it? It's our job to prevent uh, offenses and crimes in the area, and we do that to yeah to go on the streets, be visible. Uh, we are acting at uh, crimes to prevent it, to make arrests, to take uh, statements from the victims and the witnesses if there is a crime. That's, uh, yeah, our role. The job is for prevention, for to prevent. Um, we talk to people in the, in the beginning of the night. We show them that we are there, so they know there's police uh, in the city. 
So they, uh, being a holy day, they would have to do stupid things. So you can get a lot of calls at one night. And if you saw so many crimes, is there one violent and alcohol-related situation that you recall? Well, when we talk about the, the night shift, then um, we can see everything. All kinds of stories. Um, you see people with drugs. You see people who are fighting. You see um, people who are too drunk to walk anymore. When you say that, it remembers me of the story about the drunk guy. Do you mind if I tell? No. So there was this guy, and he seemed to enjoy alcohol, to put it softly. He's the type of guy that wants to talk to everyone and become friends with the strangers he meets. So far, so good. But as an agent, you had a hard job getting him out of the city because he never stopped chatting. Besides asking him to leave, you didn't attempt to do anything. After a while, he understood that it was time to go, but just as he drove off with his bike, waggling all over the place, he crashed his bike into a pole. No, not something that he could have overlooked, but just a pole in the middle of the street. It looked so stupid from a sober perspective, of course, that some bouncers near him had to laugh. The drunk man got up, wanted to fight the bouncers for laughing at him. Before it could escalate, you jumped in front of them and requested him one more time to leave, which he obeyed, fortunately. It's obvious how a couple of drinks influenced his behavior. I mean, you barely see a sober man boxing up against security guards, because they know how small their chance of succeeding is. However, alcohol can be a game changer. And how do you see the problem of alcohol and nightlife violence on the streets? I think a lot of violence, um, alcohol is um, um, part of the it's part of it. Yeah. Yeah. Because a lot of fights start at the end of the night, or they're uh, oh, on, the, they're on the street, they're walking on the street, yeah. and they uh, often have a problem before in in a bar, and then meet the pro the person again, and then um, it's uh, yeah. The violent, um, it's, it's, it's coming then, they, they're going to fight. Um, so, and most times, alcohol is, is part of it. These are some obvious cases indeed. A lot of things can happen on those nights. So you never know if or when problems will occur. Although boring nights might not be that interesting for the officers, they still aim for a quiet nightlife with not too much trouble. Then they can enter shift knowing that the night was peaceful. Jorn sadly experienced the opposite and could only hope for a peaceful night. Unfortunately, as either a police officer or a bartender, you never know what your nights are going to look like. So was there already a moment before he threw the glass where you thought he might do something? There was a moment before that. Uh, as soon as I told him uh, I couldn't serve him anymore, uh, he started yelling, making angry gestures. That's when I stood, uh, take a step back. I really leaned against the other side of the bar. So there was no way he could physically touch me. There were too many people in front of me for him to come near me. So I knew I was safe. But the thing that he, that he actually threw the glass, that was quite unexpected. The thing I thought first was, is everyone okay? Even though I knew he directed it at me, the first thing I asked around was, does anyone have glass on them, in them? Stop drinking your drinks now because there could be glass in it. That was my first reaction to take care of the others uh, instead of thinking of myself at this point. As soon as I told him that, yeah, uh, sorry man, I can't serve you. As soon as he started yelling, I was like, okay, this guy, he, ha he has enough. 
Everyone that has spent a night in a bar or a club knows that there are always people that have had one too many. It's obvious. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's pretty easy to notice. The way they move or speak or behave is a clear hint that they are intoxicated. But it doesn't necessarily mean that all of these people are also the violent ones. I mean, to be honest, I've also had some nights where I definitely was far from being sober. Oh yeah, I get what you mean. But I doubt that, there can, that you can say that I always became violent in those situations. I didn't try to fight people or be rude but rather walked into walls or <laughs> tripped over my own feet. It's pretty weird to see what alcohol actually does to you and how your behavior changes. Well, an expert who actually conducted a lot of alcohol-related research is Reinhard Wiers, a professor of developmental psychology currently working for the University of Amsterdam. Oftentimes, your research includes the effects of alcohol, right? Well, I did, uh, I guess, over 200, maybe 300 studies I've been involved in, so uh, a lot on mechanisms uh, of addiction and most in alcohol. In order to learn more about our topic, we talked to Professor Wiers about some factors that could contribute to physical violence in nightlife settings. Of course, there are more factors that are at play, but Professor Wiers explained a few important ones. Also, we wondered if the findings of his studies on alcohol-related aggression can be applied to other settings such as nightlife. Yeah, so we had this paper I mentioned where alcohol power associations were predictive of aggression and I think that was general also cross situations so also for uh, going out and that was specifically when people have strong associations between alcohol and power and I say people but this is really a male thing. Professor Wiers brings up an interesting point here. The link between power and men seems logical since it has been typical for men to try to be the strongest or most powerful. So it becomes understandable that this phenomenon is also present in Dutch nightlife especially when alcohol is involved as alcohol prevents people from thinking about the outcomes of their actions. People don't think about the consequences of their desire to be the strongest or the best. So guys who have alcohol power associations and relatively weak control, that's the combination you don't want to meet in a little alley at two o'clock at night. Definitely not. But is that the only violent effect of alcohol? Well, there's another acute alcohol effect that is relevant and that's called alcohol myopia so it means that when you drink a lot of alcohol you have actually more attention for central things and less attention for more peripheral things or more consequences of your actions i think that is a suitable explanation for many stories we heard the effect of ignoring consequences can have some pretty serious results but I imagine that preventing irrational behavior in nightlife is extremely difficult to accomplish. Are you aware of certain measures or rules that are in place and try to prevent alcohol-related violence? Well, of course, when there's this combination of power associations and weak cognitive control, then the question is what happens if people drink? And there we know that their cognitive control ability actually also decreases. So chances are that if you have these associations and you drink a lot, that you get into the combination of weak cognitive control and strong associations, which are triggered maybe by uh, something in the environment. And of course, one thing you can prevent is uh, that people drink excessively, but that's not an easy thing to prevent. So Professor Wiers talks about power associations and how having a so-called weak control capacity 
can mean that low triggers can have major consequences. So the man th throwing a glass at Joran because the bar was closing could be an example of this weak control capacity, where not being able to order another drink was the trigger. So when talking to Joran, he even shared a more extreme story about one of his experiences with nightlife violence that clearly shows how low triggers can have major consequences in some cases. It was, that, that was actually when uh, Arnhem, there was a, a fight in the bar across me, outside of their beer garden. It was uh, at the fifth, I believe, or a piano bar. And there were two guys fighting, and it was really one group against another. And there was one person who tried to intervene. He, he said, guys, guys, stop. Uh, let's let's take it somewhere else. Not do this here. And he literally, the guy who was like exploding, he took his glass and he smashed it in his neck, the side of his neck. There, uh, there was uh, immediately uh, two or three police on horses came around. So he was immediately caught. Uh, ambulance came. He did survive, by the way. He was very very lucky. It was a very strange thing. You can feel about the, the tension in the air. Just, this is gonna go wrong in a really weird way, in a really bad way. So you don't, do you know what the actual cause of that fight was? Well, there were two groups drinking. One of the guys had a bad look. He looked the wrong way for something. That was literally it. The trigger was really low. This low trigger that Jorn talks about is related to a concept called alcohol myopia a concept that Professor Wiers also mentioned during his interview. When people drink alcohol, they get a sort of nearsightedness and their immediate surroundings get exaggerated. So their reaction to these new surroundings manifests in the shape of erratic behavior without regard for the consequences. Looking the wrong way at someone is no reason for someone else to get their neck smashed with a beer glass. However, this person was nearsighted and only concentrated on the immediate event rather than the consequences that followed, such as him being arrested. But his actions can also be explained through the concept of control capacities. As it was a group fight, there were probably more people there with a weak control capacity, which led them to become violent. If they were able to have control of themselves, they would have probably tried to stop the fighting, or at least tried to defuse the situation. So the man who did try to get in between and stop the fighting probably had a stronger control capacity and could therefore try to stop the violence instead of participating in it. Unfortunately, this led to him being smashed with a glass. But this shows that not only alcohol, but also personal variables can be at play as well in cases such as this. Personally, I've also had some experiences with this alcohol myopia. I remember one time when I got into a fight over the most stupid reason. A friend of mine didn't know where his bike was. And for some reason, he thought I was the one who hit his bike somewhere, which I didn't. However, he was so convinced that I was guilty that he attacked me. And as a reflex, I fought back to protect myself by hitting him in the head with a beer opener. And although it was self-defense, there are other ways I could have handled the situation. You know, I could have walked away or tried better to talk some sense into him. But possibly due to my nearsightedness, I was only concentrated on the immediate moment rather than the consequences of my actions. So whether I also have a weak control capacity or if it was just the alcohol, at least I learned my lesson. Think of the consequences before you act. We are still very good friends, by the way. So it's not just alcohol that leads to aggression. This is also something that Professor Wiers mentioned when we were talking about the relationship between alcohol and physical violence. There's clearly a relationship, but it's not a necessary relationship. So it's a statistical relationship. 
it depends on a lot of factors. So some of these factors are person variables. So as I mentioned, people with relatively weak self-control capacity, the chance is bigger that uh, they react aggressively. Um, but there's also a lot of situational factors. So of course, if you're provoked toward aggression or not, um, stuff like that. With regard to the group fight and your own story, the personal variables that Veers mentions are definitely at play as well. One guy felt like he was being provoked, which resulted in aggressive behavior and the situation escalating. And so you said the police uh, immediately intervened. Were there also other people that did something about it, that responded, or, or did you respond yeah, in any way? I saw so many people helping already, the victim though, because <laughs> the, the guy who did it tried to flee, but, but he was caught so fast if you if you see a, a police on a horse that's that's quite imposing to you it's quite uh okay there's an actual horse that's like two meters high standing mm -hmm. in front of you. you you will not try to do anything so i guess that's also a way to say that intimidation is actually a pretty good way of getting people to act the way they should yes 100 <clears throat> percent it just just use it in the in the correct way because here they were just trying to stand in front of him so he would stop uh they are standing at each corner uh somewhere at that's that, that square mm -hmm. so you know they're always close the police on horses do often work as jordan said they are quite imposing when standing near you and although i doubt that a horse will actually you know drop kick you it's still a form of intimidation that often works However, not all settings allow for horses to traverse freely. For example, the town where I'm from, which is also one of the towns where Jorn used to work, there's only one small street where the nightlife is located. And it's definitely too small, up to the point that even one police horse is unable to maneuver there with all of the people standing outside. So while bigger areas could, be, could use police horses to keep people from acting violently, other measures need to be discussed as well. More cameras could be one of those measures. Um, I mean, although they no, do not stop fights when they are already happening, they can make people more aware that they are being recorded and make them more careful in confrontations with other people. Of course, this could also lead to some privacy concerns. Looking back at the past years, there was one measure that proved to be very successful. This is the increase of the drinking age in the Netherlands from 16 to 18. Back in 2005, the Dutch people were among the top three most heaviest drinkers of Europe. After the increase in legal drinking age, there, this is no longer the case. But what will be the next effective measure in the future? For now, we can say that the effects of alcohol have a certain attributable fraction to violent acts called the risk factor of alcohol. Many studies suggested that there, there is certainly a connection between alcohol consumption and the occurrence of violence. However, there is a strong disagreement about the strength of this correlation. It is not possible to generalize what influence alcohol has, since it is only a statistical relationship. Statistics show that there is a connection, but it's not a necessary relationship, as Professor Weers confirmed. Not everyone that drinks a beer is going to be violent at the end, basically because there are much more factors that can trigger violent behavior. Yeah, exactly. I mean, take for example the situational and personal factors that are involved as well. As Professor Weers also mentioned, some people have a weaker control capacity, which could lead to those people becoming more violent more quickly. But also violence does not always happen because of one specific trigger. 
like somebody looking at you the wrong way or the bar closing where you're not done partying. It's also possible that there have already been physical or verbal fights in the past between certain people. And thus it's likely that another fight will occur when these people encounter each other again in a nightlife setting. And how about situational factors? I mean, people do not always act individually. Group behavior and peer pressure can also lead to people making bad decisions when it comes to confrontations in the night scene. Your friends could be pushing you towards aggression, or you think that you have to act tough in front of your group, as was probably the case with the man who threw the glass at Joran. It's hard to keep an open mind with the fact that it was a guy with a group. Uh, so I, I, I want to say, uh, yeah, there was some group pressure behind it. He most yeah. likely wants to be tough with his friends. Although alcohol can definitely lead to irrational behavior and even some really dumb decisions, it's definitely not the only factor that contributes to nightlife violence. However, it's probably one of the factors that is the easiest to manage. Because it's difficult to change someone's control capacity or susceptibility to peer pressure. But alcohol consumption can be reduced. For example, increasing taxes on alcohol or changing the drinking age can help in reducing the amount of alcohol that people drink, which could then in turn lead to less irrational behavior and thus less violence in the nightlife settings. It's very unlikely that that nightlife violence will completely go away as a result, so it's also important to focus on active measures, such as police on horses or more security or cameras in nightlife districts. So based on our findings, we can conclude that alcohol is definitely a contributing factor when it comes to physical fights in the Dutch nightlife. This is caused by the effects alcohol has on the way you think, as well as the way you act. However, there are many personal and situational factors at play as well that increase the risk of experiencing violence when going out, such as group behavior and personal variables. Now, we don't want to discourage you from going out, because as we've noticed ourselves, having fun and drinking with friends are one of the joyful moments of your life. Luckily, despite some negative encounters with nightlife violence, Jorn experiences these joyful moments as well. I like the fact that everyone who comes around is happy. Um, and people are, are sitting in a beer garden, they don't, they're not pissed, they're not angry, they're not, they are there to forget their worries and just have a good time. Mm-hmm. Um, most of the times that results in funny conversations, funny things happen, uh, people laughing, and the overall joy in people's eyes is the main thing uh, uh, that you do it for. I mean, yeah, it's really nice to see. Yeah. Don't do it for the pay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Before we end this podcast, we would like to give you guys a message to take with you. Whilst alcohol does have a presence in the nightlife, we ourselves also like to enjoy beer from time to time. Drink with moderation, know your limits, and help keep the nightlife safe for everybody. While this podcast was produced independently by us, Bob van der Berg, Vinnie Fokkens and Koen Speaker, we would like to thank a few persons that helped us along the way. First off, we would like to thank our tutor for this course, Sander Witt, and his colleagues who helped provide us with the academic background that we needed. Also, Christine Driscoll, a producer for Pineapple Street Studios, who introduced us to the basics of podcast production. And lastly, we would like to thank our interviewees, Professor of Developmental Psychology, Reinhard Wiers, Jorn, the bartender from the area of Arnhem, and Sander and Richard, the two police officers from Hengelo. Only with their substantial contributions, we were able to realize this podcast.